Good evening and welcome to Popular Education. My name is Tammy and I'm so, so glad to be here with you. In the studio today, I have special guests. Uh, how's it going? We have uh, Patty and Austin. Would you like to introduce yourselves? Hey, how's it going? Hey, guys. Hey, how's it going? Uh, it's a pleasure to be here with you. So today we have our two-part special, or I guess the second part of a two-part special, uh, about the Summer of Love, 1969. Uh, last week we talked about Nixon and his failed reform, uh, welfare reformed, and it was a joke. It was awesome. Uh, we talked about it. Lots of laughs, lots of giggles, uh, lots of hard-hitting facts about how um, general elected officials can very harmfully um, harm people but there are other people who get together and decide to come together and create a better existence for the rest of us and those are the kind of people that we're going to talk about today yeah that's neat the that's the second part of it is mm -hmm. uh, definitely listen to that first one and nixon a lot of nixon <laughs> and a lot of speeches yeah silly silly speeches yeah and uh they tried and now we're gonna be uh talking about uh that beautiful aspect of 69 and uh, Woodstock. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I don't even know where to start. There is so much. Uh, we are going to, I guess, to start off with talking about the founders of Woodstock. And that will be Artie Kornfeld, Michael Lang, John Roberts, and Joel Roseman. They're the founders of the Woodstock Music and Arts Fair. So it wasn't just a music festival. Uh, the founders of Woodstock were kind of a weird bunch, you could say. You've got these two like highbrow businessmen and then these two other like quasi hippies for lack of a better word. Oh yeah, definitely. They yeah. just kind of knew it, it was the difference between education and knowing people and yeah. Michael and Artie definitely were in the business and were taking that aspect where the other two were the, uh, the other two were the money. And, yeah, exactly. You know, the financiers. Uh, and originally, John Roberts and Joel put out an ad which read something along the lines of two businessmen with unlimited capital looking for venture ideas. That's genius. <laughs> it really At, is. Ask for people's money, you know, to <laughs> They're like, we own. have the money. We just want your ideas. Yeah, just, uh, yeah, just ideas. And mm -hmm. sponsoring that, that's hilarious. Yeah. Man. I don't think people even read the news. But I don't I always look for <laughs> ads that are strange like that. Like, just, you know, they say that the... Uh, the founding one of the founding members of Kiss, they just put out an ad in the in the in the newspaper that's like, I don't know, things like guitarists willing to do anything to make it. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, let's let's get back to stuff like that. But uh, um, so they put the ad out in the paper, and I don't think that any one of the four founders of Woodstock understood what kind of impression the festival will leave on society fifty years later. So today. We are celebrating the 50th anniversary of the 1969 Woodstock celebration. Uh, 50 years ago, over 10,000 to half a million youths. I know we have a little skepticism about the Amount the numbers. Yeah, they'd say you say half a million, and then there's another million waiting in the in the in oh, the New York highway like or that. something. With no ticket sales, then it's almost impossible. It. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I can't really get back to it to see what the numbers were. Um, so a million and a half, let's just say that, youths gathered on a 600-acre dairy farm in the town of Bethel, New York. At this time of the party, listeners were, I think, listening to Ravi Shankar. I don't know. I wasn't there. If uh, you were there, 
and you want to talk to us a little bit about it, I don't know if I could put you on air, but I definitely would love to hear it. But yeah, none of us were there, so yeah. if y'all call in, that would be awesome. Just would... any kind of little story, mm-hmm. I, I would just be neat to hear that. Yeah. yeah, we'd love we'd love to hear it because I know that for me personally, that era it's a, it has so much interesting. It's a complex time where a lot of things happen at once, and it definitely has not only has it resonated with people now, but it also to look back 50 years ago that, you know, 50 years ago, what were people doing on this day versus what people are doing on this day now and how things have changed and how maybe we can even learn and I don't know, or, or not learn. I, I really don't know. Well, but no, just hearing changed. about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just especially for that event too, like people mm-hmm. were traveling across the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, to go to this free show for and, a positive and for, love, yeah, for positive love, free you know, show, and, you know. love yeah. peace and music. Yep, there you go. <laughs> Three days. Yep, yep. That's true. Um, so, with that being said, I'm gonna try to. I just with the time schedule. So it was in New York. So that's three hour difference, right? So let's say this is more or less what people were uh, listening to at Woodstock in 19. 19- 
the great Ravi Shankar. Gentleman who played through the rain, who just kept playing. Thank you so much, Ravi. That was Ravi Shankar playing at Woodstock in 1969. 1969. Maybe. And over here in the studio, I am with guest, special friend guest. Hello. Uh, hey, how are you? <laughs> Patty and Austin, how's yeah. it going? <laughs> yeah. Doing good. Yeah. What a, what a great song to start with our Woodstock. Yeah. Like that definitely was so with the sitar yeah. and yeah, the drums and... Uh, yeah, that was, uh, and then also the little mention of the mud. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna be getting into that too. I mean, one <laughs> event though, but uh, yeah, so many awesome, awesome artists that played and such a short time and got into the event. And mm-hmm. yeah, just like s- some beginning, some popular, some just like not even know that they're there. <laughs> and some I hear, like, let's not mention, I, I won't mention. How I heard that the Grateful Dead were horrible because I know there are a lot of Grateful Dead fans out there, but I heard that they were horrible. And if that's true or not true, you can always uh, call in and let me know. But um, that is true. A lot of people got their start. A lot of people didn't even really quite like even make it after Woodstock, but it's still cool to say that they were there, I think. Yeah, yeah, like Carlos Santana, no one, apparently, what I've heard is no one even knew about him Mm. before he started coming on stage there. Everyone's like, who is this? This is amazing. (laughs) And then he comes out with Soul Sacrifice. Yeah, Such a beautiful song. song. We are going to be playing that one later as well. I definitely dig that one. Stay tuned. (laughs) Um, But with Woodstock and all the great music, you know, I got to kind of, I don't know, I, I don't think that, from the documentaries I've watched and the research, again, I'm not a historian. I just did a lot of research for this episode. From all of the documentaries and the people who talked to me about Woodstock, I don't think that anyone can really explain it, what it was, the idea of it, because the founders themselves, uh, the four fellows that we mentioned, they didn't even, you know, plan for it to be what it became. Um, and it seems like just one of those you should have been there kind of things. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Um, but when what I can talk about is the climate, you know, like the political and social climate of the time during the 60s that kind of escalated to the 1969s and or to the year 1969. And then to I, I don't know this. I don't know. Was it even an underlining like, you know, did the conflict and the war and you know uh civil rights and everything did that contribute to the atmosphere it was stuck i well, don't know that's what we're i talking, wasn't there we, you know yeah i mean none of us were there by the way um once again uh call us in if <laughs> you were there that'd be neat to hear a story but yeah it's the it had to have happened because there was such turmoil in civil rights mm-hmm. and right um presidencies and assassinations assassinations and like we were discussing this earlier about like they had to do it for free too Mm -hmm. and if it all these like great fortunate events led to an awesome experience that no one knew at the time was going to be legendary because you know you don't know when it's a legend and uh so all that just kept on just making an awesome snowball of greatness (laughs) and everything somehow landed together with uh, yeah, such a different idea at the beginning and then had to evolve as they went. Yeah, they definitely have to have been very flexible. Um, and yeah, I mean, they, you know, we'll, we'll get about the whole money thing later. But yeah, they end up being a free concert just because it 
just, <laughs> just how can you contain that many people with no fence and no, you know, you just, they, they couldn't do it. Um, so like we were mentioning, you know, was the climate of the time like a contribution of the atmosphere at Woodstock? I don't know, but you know who does know and who was there? My good buddy Arth, um, Arlo Guthrie. He's not a friend of mine. I just, I wish he was, but um, I have this recording that I found of him just kind of talking a little bit about the climate and about the, uh, you know, just like the political and just social climate of the time. So here's just like a really short recording of him and uh, we'll be right back. time there were 50 more kids in the street somewhere there was a police riot going on people were getting shot just hanging around talking about stuff this wasn't just some fun time you know like peace and love man there were people getting hurt and killed and stuff it was a time of extreme opposites while richard nixon bombed vietnam lsd guru timothy leary ran for governor of california i think we'll win we want to turn on the whole state just weeks after man first set foot on the moon the manson family went on a brutal murder spree there were as many kids of that age at woodstock that weekend as there were in vietnam And we are back. That, you know, that was uh, Woody. Uh, excuse me. I keep saying Woody Guthrie. That was uh, Arlo Guthrie, who was Woody Guthrie's son. We got a phone call. Yeah, we got a phone bl- call. That oh, was, was delightful. Uh, a person just told me, um, just wanted to mention that the the cultural, like he was talking about Santana and the like culture that it brought, like it was mm-hmm. a lot different. And, and he also mentioned that the drummer was 16 at the oh. time. Oh, wow. So like. I mean, yeah, kind of like a thrown together. It sounds like I mean, a lot of uh, the bands, like including Jimi Hendrix, I knew was just kind of a bunch of have his friends mm-hmm. getting together and eventually, you know, making it happen. So, yeah. yeah, thanks for that call, by the way. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Um, and just in case you are just tuning in, my name is Tammy. You're listening to Popular Education. We're here at the K Boo Studios in Portland, Oregon. I'm here with my guest friends. Friend guests, I'm not sure how I'd say that. Uh, Patty and Austin. Yeah. 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 How's it going? Uh, so we just listened to a little ditty, uh, and also it was uh, the Age of Aquarius playing in the background. That was Arlie. Uh, Arlie. <laughs> I'm really just <laughs> uh, struggling with the name. Arlo Guthrie. And as he uh, so eloquently expressed, uh, the 60s were a time of political and civil unrest, Civil Rights Act of 64, uh, the Korean War, Vietnam War the death toll of young men and you know like i mentioned in my last episode the death of kennedy civil um the mlk's assassination in 68 uh the people were finding new ways of living and adapting things like eastern philosophies things like living in communes integration of blacks and white students and feminism i think it was in the 60s they were burning bras yeah and look at us now no one deals with those things i guess you don't know that but now you know (laughs) letting you know um so meanwhile, the four finders of Woodstock were all kind of like well-off white dudes who wanted to put on a small concert with the and with the proceeds of the concert, they wanted to finance a new record studio called Woodstock Records. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so it never really, you know, they never really set off for Woodstock to become what it was, but um, you know. 
they dealt with so many things. I know, Patty, you were talking earlier. Yeah, that's what, yeah, I was saying that it, it just led into it, but they had so also, many they had a lot of problems. Funding. They had, but, yeah, well, they, no, yeah. No, they had funding, and so they were bringing mm-hmm. uh, big artists, and then it just kept on going mm-hmm. from there, and then everyone just heard about it, and it spread like wildfire. It, it did, mm-hmm. and as the closer, as a date for the uh, festival was approaching, um, I mean, they had to deal with things like, and even, you know, it's even with a lot of money, these things just happen. You, they had to rebook re- the venue 21 days before the concert. Um, they ended up having lawsuits, things like, uh, cause the cows around in the farmland around the area where they were at, they wouldn't milk yeah, for the I next while afterwards, mm. which, you know, I don't blame them, you know? Um, and also the fact that they didn't sell any tickets. You know, the location itself had only one toilet per about 800 persons. Insane. Insa- right? <laughs> and um, fun little ditty. I don't know if you know this, but <laughs> Pete Towson of The Who uh, hit uh, Abby Hoffman of the Youth International Party with his guitar. Oh, wow. Yeah, he hit him yeah. right on stage. Yeah. He, yeah. Believe it. Yeah, yeah. Be- I, we I, believe it. No, yeah. I was reading a thing about them, too, and they were, uh, just to make it really quick, but they were... Um, had a different experience in it because there was just like no money mm-hmm. and they couldn't some musicians just couldn't get out of there mm-hmm. after that you yeah know, moving the equipment and whatnot and yeah the who were explaining that and but wouldn't a lightning show that they put on yeah with the, with the lightning. <laughs> and uh abby hoffman was apparently on stage just being like uh he was talking about i think there was like a political prisoner or something and he was saying how it's not fair to you know he was doing you know, his his thing. And uh, Pete Townsend just was not having it. And if anyone was there and happened to see Pete Townsend <laughs> hit Avi Hoffman over the head with a guitar, I would love to hear that because I was trying to find footage of that. And I guess that was like the one thing that wasn't filmed. Uh, so the fact that the whole thing, I don't want to say it was a mess because it wasn't a mess. It was just DIY-ish, rustic. I don't know. I don't know how to, you know, it was... I don't know. Was it a catalyst of the times? That's my just, question. At the end of the day, you know. Yeah, they they did what they could. They mm-hmm. uh, they had to change had to change places at the last second. They had to build a stage from nothing. Mm-hmm. They had months built into the first place, and then afterwards they had, I think it was a week and a half, and on uh, day four where they had like four or five days left, they had a month's worth of work to do. So they basically went to the guys and said, you know, I can build the stage or I can build the fence. And so then it became what it was. It was it, free. The stage. Free for all. Free, uh, free, Thankfully, free they chose the stage. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> I wonder what they would choose these days. <laughs> yeah, well, they'd be playing the mud if they didn't choose the stage. Yeah. But, yeah. That's true. Um, so I have another little recording that I'd like to play. Um, and this is actually really neat. It's going to go a little bit more about kind of like the finances. And you know what? You're just going to listen to it, Um, and we'll be back in just a couple of moments. Security in 1969 was a serious matter. Just a year earlier, in the summer of 68, civil rights and anti-war protests had erupted into riots across America. Wes Pomeroy, who is now deceased, was in charge of security. I worked for for Wes. 
So Wes and I went and made a deal with the police commissioner at the time that we were going to be able to interview and hire a, a number of New York City policemen. They were going to come up and be our police, except the night before the festival, the police commissioner got cold feet. I don't know what happened. There was political pressure in New York. And they said, no cops. There was a policeman at the 6th Precinct, who, uh, a, an officer in charge, who went ahead and gathered us a group of about 300 police people who would not give us their real names. We had to pay them in cash. As the last days of preparation dwindled, Michael pushed his crews day and night. John and Joel were working the phones at their headquarters in an old telephone building a mile away from the site. No one is quite sure where Artie was. Four guys in our 20s, we had never produced an event like this. We were hiring good people, but it turns out that creating a small city, or in that case, the third largest city in New York, as it turned out, for that weekend, requires a lot more than what we had put together. On the morning of August 13th, 1969, two full days before the festival was set to begin, the construction crew showed up for work as usual. But something unusual was happening. 50,000 early birds had already arrived. Nobody knew it was going to be gargantuan. The gargantuan thing happens when you realize that you're not done. And you're never going to be done. They're already coming. You know, they're over the hill and they're here. Max had refused to let Mel Lawrence, who was the head of operations, put up the fencing, lest the cows that morning not give milk. So the fencing issue had been relegated um, to the last moment. Michael woke me up here, it was like six, and he said, you won't believe it, there was 50,000 people out there on the field, you know? So we knew at that point there was no gates. If they were there two days early, then these thoughts that we were having that maybe we would get to 100,000 people seemed, seemed trivial. There were maybe 50,000 people on the infield, and they said, uh, you want to clear the infield, we want to start taking tickets now. And we said, do you want a good movie or a bad movie? The choice was to try to collect money and risk a riot, or to begin the dizzying process of surrender. There was this moment on Wednesday before the festival began where I was still thinking, we can still do it. We can get these gates up. We can collect tickets. This is going to be, this is going to work. It's going to be just fine. You don't even have to bother bringing your tickets or anything because they aren't going to collect them. There's no way they can. They got a fence that's like half up and there are people just sitting in that field. It's really beautiful. The team made a lame attempt to secure fences around the site, but it was too late. Producer Bob Maurice and director Michael Wadley have been trying for weeks to raise money to capture the festival on film. As the hours counted down, they grew more determined. They went to Artie for help. Artie went to Joel and John. I said, I wasn't born yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Documentaries never make any money. And I mean, you'll have to go somewhere else. Artie knew Fred Weintraub, who was in the movie division at Warner Brothers. So I just called them up and said, guys, I want to talk to you. And I walked in and said, would you shoot dice with 100 grand? And if this is a disaster, you'll have the best disaster movie in all time. The day before the music started, Warner Brothers put up $100,000, and Woodstock, the movie, was born. And it kind of happened like everything else happened. It just sort of came together.
6 o'clock, Friday morning, and I just opened with it. Holy <laughs> What is going on here? And I looked out, and I saw thousands and thousands of smiling faces. Everything was peaceful in this town. When I came down here Friday morning, I couldn't believe my eyes. Now, who knew that people would uh, get into a traffic jam and say, screw it, I'm just going to leave my car here? Who would ever figure that? I mean, that's never happened before. Everything was tied up. There were thousands of abandoned cars along 17B. There were, you know, half a million people there and, and another million on the road trying to get there. And this is a small rural community that is reached by a two-lane road. Just one lane going all the way up to the site. We saw a little corn patch converted into about the third or fourth city in the size city in the state of New York. City size, maybe a Rochester. Just one of those things that would almost scare you to see all these thousands of children in, out in the field. Coming up, first day of the Woodstock Music and Art Fair, 500,000 rock and roll pilgrims sat in a farm field waiting for their musical heroes to appear. As the crowd continued to swell, the mood backstage was tense. There was uh, uh, immediately a feeling of uh, failure for the event, uh, the promoters to make their money, all of that. Here's these fences that didn't really hold up. The question was whether or not to accept the financial loss and officially announce that the concert was free. To John Morris, the answer was obvious. Of course it was a free concert. They were already in there. But we had a conversation. You are now giving the world's greatest three-day freebie. Okay, walk to my office call John and Joel and said John the guys this is the deal this is what I think should happen it's it's your tales by this time it was clear that unless we charged admission we were going to be broke beyond broke we were going to going to be in the hole and it would take us a long time to dig out of that hole maybe never people came prepared to buy tickets why not take their money what's what's the problem with that we might have a riot on our hands the largest assemblage of people prior to that had rioted in, in chicago in two seconds both of them said go do it so i walked up on stage it's a free concert from now on and from that moment on the audience was in it with us. It was just, um, we just can't do the one song. <laughs> what it means is that the people who are put backing this thing, who put up the money for it, are going to take a bit of a bath, a big bath. That's no hype, that's true. They're going to get hurt. They were panicked. I mean, <laughs> the, the, mon the money was hemorrhaging. It wasn't just the flowing, it was hemorrhaging out the door. The weekend of the festival, um, we were over a million in debt. And of course, the ticket money had somewhat dried up. Uh, as a result of no gates being there to collect <laughs> revenues. John and Joel had, you know, they had big fish to fry and they were all dying on the plate. By the first day of the festival, after eight months of spending, Woodstock Ventures had accrued $3.4 million in expenses. Against the $250,000 they had borrowed and the $1.3 million in ticket sales, they were now nearly $2 million in debt. John Roberts was in hell. I did have to make a call on Friday to the bank to say, this is going to cost me 
pretty much everything I have. Forget the ticket booths, forget anything, forget a thought that had to do with anything other than keeping these people safe and giving them the show of their lives. Right, people out there, get away from the scaffolding, please. Because anything less than that, I felt, was far too dangerous. Michael and Artie were having a very different experience. It was not threatening. None of it was threatening. All of it was very positive and very supportive, and every place you went, you felt We just stood there with our arms around each other, just staring, you know? It might have mattered more to Joel and John because they were they were invested financially. John and Joel were on one side of the fence, and Michael and Artie were on another. It became a pattern after a while that it was kind of us against them. It was Michael and the production people letting us know as little as possible about how far over budget we were going to be. Michael and Artie were, it's cool, man, it's cool, man. These people are communicating with each other. That rarely happens anywhere anymore. It has nothing to do with money. Artie was on Planet Nine. He was he was having a good time. Artie, how you doing, man? Good to see you, man. Thank you for making John and Joel had been grown up as responsible suburban young men who had a very different take on life than than Artie and, and Michael. Financially, this is a disaster. But you, but you look so happy. I'm very look what you got there, man. You couldn't buy that for anything. I got to call my family over the weekend and say, you know, I'm getting in way over my head. John had these very straight parents that he knew he was going to be answering to, and they were on the phone. The brother, I believe the brother was around somewhere at that point. If I'm going to be writing checks, I want to make sure that they're going to clear, and I'm going to have to fall back on you. John was shaken up a great deal of the time, and so was Joel. My father and my brothers said, do what you have to do. They got a lot of credit with me, but I don't think the world ever realized how much they had invested themselves personally in, in my particular madness. The tension that existed between Michael's party, John and Joel, had reached excruciating proportions. And so, as the four partners each drifted into their own personal heaven or hell, the divine madness that was Woodstock continued. It was time for the musicians to play. People were talking about a disaster, and we were going to have to be flown in by chopper or something, and it was still daylight, and we could look down and see people as far as the eye could see. Suddenly, I realized this was out of hand. This was a free-for-all. This was going to be fun. It was the moment I realized that there were so many more of us than them for the first time in a long history and a long battle and struggles with people getting shot on the streets and stuff. This was our moment. And I remember getting there and feeling like, whoa, this is it. You're just listening to a little tidbit from this awesome documentary that's uh, actually a VH1 behind the music Woodstock documentary. If you aren't familiar with it, you should get yourself familiarized. And with that being said, Patty and Austin are a couple of Portland's most treasured, underrepresented, under (laughs) 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 underdogs of the musical scene here in Portland, Oregon. Okay. And uh, they are amazing musicians, and they had decided to grace us today with uh, some great music by CCR. We're going to, do you want to introduce it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, We were, uh, 
<laughs> Thank you for that buildup. Uh, yeah, you're welcome. Um, uh, the most amazing musicians <laughs> I've ever heard in my life. Uh, super Ooh. underground. Um, underground, underappreciated. <laughs> um, but yeah, we were uh, talking about songs uh, that we could do, and uh, CCR definitely was number one because this is one of our first songs that we started playing. And they played this song on and, the and, second and then, day. Of what yeah, second yes. uh, CCR. Yeah, I believe it was second day. So and, tomorrow. Um, so tomorrow, <laughs> CCR is playing this song. <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow, 50 years ago. Um, but we're going to play this song now, today. And uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's do it, Austin. All right, here we go. so much that was amazing thanks Love for having it. us yeah thank, thank you thank you so for having much. us and thank you ccr thank mostly. you ccr Absolutely. number one John number Fogarty. one thank you very much yes by the way and yeah all beautiful songs and yeah i mean like we were saying earlier none of us went to woodstock mm-hmm. and it's neat that we're talking about this how much it influenced us to in our lives you know um we're playing just as people song. and yeah. musicians yeah and musicians yeah and, and just life and everything so it's very uh once again uh call in if you were there or have a story about it or where you were at and i was just wondering like as musicians has woodstock and the music of that time influenced you in any way as musicians in our current you know 50 years later definitely influenced i remember watching it at my friend's house first band i was in at his house watched a little documentary and 
you know, watching Santana. I yeah. mean, that's the really the Santana and seeing him play and yeah, Santana and Jimmy both for like the big hitters <laughs> oh, for me. But yeah, and uh, yeah, learning there, we I learned about a lot about the song, uh, different musicians that I didn't even know that played. You know, I didn't see the whole thing, but you know, the ones that definitely stand out. You know, Janis Joplin, The Who, and all those ones that were the big hitters at night, and Jefferson Airplane, yeah. and uh, definitely those are all bands that I've listen to and mm-hmm. definitely were influenced at the beginning of my music um a lot changed now but that's still the you know soul yeah. and backing of uh what i do and like i was saying with ccr we learned a lot of ccr songs if you don't know them they're very uh simple chords and simple structures but it just sounds so great and fun to play <laughs> yeah really they, uh, the way they're put together is just beautiful yeah and it's great that the, all these bands blessed us in the Woodstock and uh, came out and like I was saying about the Who earlier uh, you gotta think like as beautiful as the event is there was definitely behind the scenes and they were standing in mud and waiting to go on and helicopters and amps and gear and rainstorm and, you know all these things and hungry definitely and uh, as a musician too to come up and, and not only that but the time frame was it started so late, 6 a.m. or 5 a.m.? I'm sorry, Jefferson was, Airplane. Yes, <laughs> Airplane, yes. Uh, they did. It was straight. some very early, and I think they said it. They had their hard rock and night, and then the next morning it was time for the Maniac Morning music. Right. So, yeah, definitely. I mean, those people were inspired and uh, to be there that late and early and with nothing. And, uh, yeah, I definitely, to answer your question, that's a uh, it's definitely influenced my life and seeing that and uh, the music and the beauty of what people did in that time and brought them together. Yeah. Just the way that everything came together or fell apart, you know, depending on how, yeah. how you look at it. You immortalized know? with music. Yes. And, and like positivity and yeah. like people got together. I have this uh, really short clip that I want to play and I want you to listen to it. It's from a shop owner uh, from the city where Woodstock was, and it's really short, and it's just kind of his perception about the uh, the the concert, the festival goers. Here you go. Okay, go ahead. My name is Sidney Westerville. I'm the owner of this antique tavern, Munga Valley, New York State. I was here when this crowd really came. We expected fifty thousand a day, and there must have been a million. I myself was hungry for two days because I couldn't get any food and I couldn't go out to buy any food. <laughs> I was eating cornflakes for two days. And the kids were wonderful. I have no kick that would saw this and saw that and thank you this and thank you that. Nobody can complain about the kids. This thing was too big. <laughs> it was too big for the world. Nobody has ever seen a thing like this. And when they see this picture in the news, in the well, over the moving pictures, they'll really see something. That was so lovely. That was so, he just said, he said, these guys, these kids, they were great. These fellas, they were awesome. They were, thank you, sir. Thank you, this. Yes, sir. No, oh, sir. Yeah. Two oh, yeah. days he ate cornflakes just because s- so he could, <laughs> he could let these fellas. Yeah, just to have a sea of smiles smiling yeah. back at you. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, what? What a yeah, and then to have all kinds of walk of people, you know, yeah. especially the the townspeople, the, the rural people. area. Yeah, you I know, mean, they're not they're not down for that stuff. No, and I mean, then they said it well, happened, and they took care of yeah. everyone, you yeah. know, and things that we were 
discussing about like uh, support that the community definitely gave with uh, airing in food and medical supplies mm. and giving them all kinds of uh, support. And yeah, they ran out of food, and the local people literally took food out of their cupboards and out of everywhere. They just brought it to a school nearby school and they airlifted it into the place it was pretty amazing to hear yeah and it's it's again it's like these people who have otherwise because they were kicked out of the other place that they were supposed to go to yeah and they, they actually like lobbied and petitioned and all that stuff so it's like to know that in, in another place just like 60 40 miles away people were still weirded out by them but they were like you know what you know they're yeah, smiling once, they're once just, they all came in and yeah. they were all there it's like well there's nothing we can do besides mm-hmm. help so yeah they did what they could yes yes um gosh that was that i i really enjoyed that recording because it was it just sounded so genuine and like loving um i want to play my favorite song that was played at woodstock and afterwards we can wrap up and maybe play another song from our live friend guest guest friends we'll see perhaps okay here (laughs) here we are listening to popular education kvoo studios Let's welcome Mr. Richie Haven. Listening to Popular Education on KBOO. I'm Tammy. We have my surprise 
friend guest, musical Surprise. guest. Surprise. Ooh. Patty and Austin. That was a Richie Haven motherless child. I really, really, yeah. really love that. That's awesome. Oh, my God. Yeah. I was yeah. just talking to my postman today, and he was just saying he was listening to the album. Oh, my and, God. Um, a great song. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah. Great song. And f- Freedom. Freedom. Starting yeah. out, the He's, very first word. Richie said, uh, Richie, and I call him Richie because, you know, we're best friends. Richie said that uh, when he <laughs> went on stage, the word freedom just came to him. Yeah. And Motherless Child yeah. is a hem from when he was 16 years old. He's this hem that he used to sing to himself, and he it just came to him, you know. And all the performers say, we can't describe what it was like performing oh, yeah. in Woodstock, you know what I'm saying? Also, want to mention, we just had a caller. Oh, yes, And yes. Um, thank you so much for the support thank and you. calling us up. And, uh, they just said only great things yeah. and about the music, like, and yeah. that's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Like that was, you know, resonated from the time as well. Yeah, like, absolutely. And um, she was just saying it's very support and thank uh, you, thank so you, much. and thank we you, really Kabu, too. Thank like, you, definitely. I mean, this is thank you for the airway. opportunity to mm-hmm. tie a community together, and we yeah. can. And I just to, tonight having talked to you know people about it, and mm-hmm. it's just neat. You know, just educating, getting yeah, to know educating, the right. big part of the where you're going is knowing where you come from and. Speaking of music, are we gonna get a little bit more? I yeah, think I guess we, we are. Yeah, we get. Uh, we'll, we'll. Yeah, we can s- squeeze another song. Squeeze uh, We have a little bit yeah. time left. So, uh, would you like to introduce this? Yeah, yeah. This uh, another uh, song that was uh, played at Woodstock uh, by one of our favorite bands, the band. And uh, wait, um, another song that uh, we just had to go to and just playing around campfires. So I haven't played for a while, but uh, we appreciate it. Thank yeah, you yeah. so much. And uh, yes, yeah, uh, uh, thanks for having us. And uh, here, here we go. We <laughs> Just need some place where I can lay my head. Hey, mister, can you tell me, may I find a bed? Just grinned and shook my hand, no, it's all it said. Take a load off any, take a load for free, take a load off any. Do me a favor, son, won't you stay and keep Annalie company? 
That was uh, Patrick and, or Patty, and uh, Austin covering the band's The Weight. Yeah, the yeah. band. The band. Yeah. The Weight. Not if you guys know the song, we're missing a key key aspect of it, the keyboard, <laughs> it but it does yeah. it does sound good anyways. I love that song. Maybe, a, so. maybe another song. singer would have helped them, but yeah. <laughs> with the and part. But no, another awesome song that we chose with uh, uh, in uh, lieu of the event that mm-hmm. we call Woodstock. The anniversary, and, yeah. And, uh, yeah. 50 another... years to the day. Yeah, yeah. 50 years. Uh, that was fantastic. That was really nice. And it definitely, I think, captured the, the spirit. You know, just good, just good, positive, yeah. happy, and love. Yeah, and another, like, the diversity of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, our first caller talking about, like, the culture and, and mm-hmm. like, uh, so many different styles mm-hmm. of bands playing. You know, just the... You have Santana, yeah. Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, Jimi you Hendrix. know, and and uh, it, yeah. And when I was looking at pictures and videos, you know, I thought I was going to see the same kind of like homogeneous kind of cookie cutter kind of person, but it it was not like that. And it, I just, I'm so happy that it was. You know, it's good to know that we can do it, and hopefully, we can aspire to do well in the future and and learn uh you know like you were saying earlier that people try to remaster what was and it's just impossible to do you can't yeah the woodstock 50 failure and uh they tried they tried but another important thing is yeah we were it's the remembering of it you know you can't recreate that yeah and to do something like that it just it wouldn't happen anymore it's just in a different time of uh money and art, different artists uh, definitely we were discussing that it might have been that a uh, different artist that wouldn't 
I played, but um, the memory will always be there. Yes, and definitely. Immortalized forever. Yeah. And, and especially if uh, people keep uh, enjoying that kind of music and that style of mind life. frame just yeah, like mind, mind frame, frame, yeah. mind frame of yeah. life yeah and then that, uh, what and we can keep carrying that on maybe it can uh f- fortunate events just like woodstock yeah maybe the world could be better yeah <laughs> and turn you know? into woodstock the world absolutely yeah <laughs> you're saying uh i know austin was telling me earlier how the, the one of the dairy farmers they were the the person mark something or other i forgot i should probably know since i was researching i can't pronounce last name um he was saying how he was like ashamed of himself thinking that the people that went to woodstock were just gonna wreak havoc on the area and just yeah, like and mess just everything up but worried he just, about all that yeah. could go wrong oh, but there was no yeah. no environmental impact no hardly I was two people did did perish in in the uh festival from uh, an overdose and i do believe it was sleeping under a uh tractor a tractor um but all well, the in scale, all yeah I mean, yeah and it scale. wasn't and it wasn't because of violence it wasn't yeah, because yeah. of a quarrel or anything like that yeah there were and they had the, the freak or, out I mean, tents and yeah. Fighting, yeah, I mean, um, and it was. I, I'm just glad that I could do uh, a second part to the summer of love and uh, just talk a little bit about it. Yeah, it was awesome. And thank you so much, Patty and Austin, for being my friend guests. Thank you. Tim. Yeah, thank you for the <laughs> opportunity to come on your show. Yeah, definitely, I appreciate it. Um, and if you're interested uh, in subjects or want to speak with us, any questions, comments, concerns, you can hit us up on Popular Education Radio on Instagram or Popular Education Radio at Gmail. I just want you uh, to remember to be kind to yourself and each other. We are all that we have. Um, and if you want to be better, uh, do better. And uh, I recommend you stand for this next song. Thank you so much. Thank you.